Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of Dial the Gate. One more to that big number. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is David Reed. Bill Dow, Dr. Bill Lee, is joining us in this episode, and it is a a pleasure to have him. Uh, Bill and I have never connected before. That is completely on me after all these years, and I am very grateful to be given the opportunity to to fix that oversight. Before we get started with him, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you click the like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops. And you'll get my last minute uh, guest change notifications. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be re- released over the course of the next few days on the GateWorld.net YouTube channels. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring him in. Bill Dow, Dr. Lee on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. Bill, do you realize you are one of eight actors to appear in all three shows? Is that right? I I, I didn't realize it was that uh, select a group. <laughs> yes, you're a very, <laughs> very small club. Richard <laughs> Dean Anderson and Robert Picardo and a, a couple of other... Um, uh, uh, folks, it's just it, what what a a journey on um, uh, a, of science fiction. You know, it's just it's hard to it's hard to believe it lasted what it lasted for like eight or nine years for you in particular. Yeah, yeah, at least. I mean, and uh, no, it was it was great, and it was a fun show to do. Always, you know, right from the very beginning, and and great group of people in in each of the different shows to work mm. with. And, uh, yeah, no, I just, I had a great time. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Bill, how long, um, how old were you when you knew that you wanted to act, this is what you wanted to do? And, you know, tell us about uh, some of the people who helped to, to influence that, uh, that decision. Well, it's interesting. When I was, when I was uh, first going to university, so, you know, I would have been, you know, 19 20 years old or something like that that's that was really my first introduction I and I took a drama class as uh what I thought would be an easy elective and uh I I uh I just really liked it and I at at that time I was studying education I was thinking I'd be an English teacher or something um but I found myself spending more and more time at the drama department and just hanging out with the people there because they were, they were interesting people. They were lively. There was, there was so much, just so much going on. And I just kind of fell into it uh, at that point. And, you know, I never really, even then I didn't aspire to be an actor really, but I just found that I wasn't very technically adept. So it's, it became the only thing that I could really do. So and then when I finished university, I, uh, 
I ended up, somebody offered me a job in a play at the, in a theater and I did that. And then another one happened and then another one. And I, I just kind of was an actor doing theater jobs for, for years. And, and then I just went, Oh, I guess I'm an actor. I guess that's what I am. (laughs) This is what I'm doing now. You turned around and that's what it was. Well, it sounds, it sounds like you, you went from, um, a place where this is a cool group of people. They're, they're interesting. They're not boring to this, this gig has utility. You know, I can, (laughs) I can make things work with this. Exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And you just never went back. Now, I don't, what your, your example, I, I hear uh, very often, uh, and it makes me, you know, hope that people who are listening and watching say, if you're interested in something, even something minor, go and give it a shot and give yourself an opportunity to see what you can do with it. You may find that you, not that you that you love it beyond just some casual interest you may find that you fall in love with it yeah absolutely i would i would absolutely agree with that and i i think that you know when you're interested in something that just that appetite creates initiative and then you start taking classes you start meeting people you start talking about it it becomes an obsession mm-hmm. and uh, and and through that you practice you get better you and then things start falling your way and you you kind of you do kind of make your own luck and i i'm the first to say i've been i've been very privileged in this and i i kind of landed in a in a time where there was opportunity uh for for people like me to to do that um but as I say, like you, you just keep working and you keep driving your interest and that opens doors in itself, you know. Tell us about uh, the journey that led you to to Dr. Lee in Prodigy in 2001. A minor scientist <laughs> character, you know, uh, expository dialogue, getting through the, the, the point of the episode and then it becoming something else. But tell us about that first audition, if you can recall it. I can. And this is this is a thing that's interesting because, uh, you know, the the, I think the world has changed since since when that happened. And Mm. I think we're we're all a little bit more aware. Um, And and I think we're we're seeking. I mean, even then, even then, to their credit, they were seeking diversity. So the 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 short answer is I I got this audition from my uh, agent and I went there and I, in the waiting room, there was me and uh, six young Asian women. And I, so I- Six young I, Asian women and you. Yes. And so I, I, I left, I went out and it, there wasn't cell phones at that time. So I went and found a phone. I phoned my agent. I said, are, are you sure I'm in the right place? Like, this just doesn't look right. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. He said, I know you're, you're an outside choice, but- they wanted to throw you in, so just just do it. Don't worry about it. And I went, okay, okay, sure. So there I was, and all the other Doctor Lees, you know, and they all went in, and then <laughs> I went in, and it was uh, who knows, who knows why. But I, I'll tell you a couple others with Gary Jones, who's mm. the gate guy. I auditioned for that part too, and I just I couldn't even. I just went, so what I'm supposed to say Chevron one encoded Chevron two. And it was, that was it. And I just went, this is dumb. I don't, but Gary. <laughs> Jonesy embraced it. 
Exactly, exactly. And he he took it. He found a thing to do, which was fantastic. Um, what else? Oh, I'll tell you another one. I can't remember even what the show, I think it was called Pasadena or something like that. Some show that was short lived. But I went to an audition and it was supposed to be for an Irish punk rock ponytailed medical examiner. And, you know, no ponytail. No, no Irish. <laughs> And, but there was all these other guys sitting there with bandanas and ponytails and, you know, Hawaiian shirts or whatever. And it, I was just me and I was just there. But I, would, I got that part, too. So you never know. You never know. You just never know what they're looking for or what flair you bring to the table. I, I, and I, it's one of the things that I heard Gary Jones talk about once, you know, where they'll, they'll have uh, uh, a casting call for a doctor. And right. Gary, Gary, for instance, would go there and, and be surrounded by people in, in lab coats and stethoscopes. Right. And he was like, you know, as far as he was concerned, you have to convince the casting director through your acting, not through your wardrobe. Right. You know, it's little things like that. It's just, you know, you if, if you are if if you can serve the material by what you have to say, but the materials there but with what you have to say, but how you have to say it, you know, then that's. That's that's your leg up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that and that's it. And then, you know, it's it's about you you develop yourself. You 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 figure out your own interests, you figure out what's uh unique and individual about you, and then you try to bring it to the table. And that's that's really the thing. You know. So there were a lot of, of Asian Billy Asian Lees considered. Yes. And then we went with with you and two or three other I can't remember the number of scientists in this in this particular episode in Prodigy on on a moon where you were under attack by fireflies. Right. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. Oh, it was it was great. It was it was fun. But there would be uh there there was a lot of expository dialogue mm. and there would come a line and uh you know somebody uh RDA, but some, <laughs> it's true. Somebody, somebody would say, I'm not going to say that. That's ridiculous. I can't say that. And I'd go, I'll say it. And he'd go, yeah, let him say it. So, <laughs> so it was just, and I just kind of kept, I don't know. I just, I was just, I was there. I was having a good time. I thought, what the hell? I'll just play along. I can do this. I can do that. You know? So it was fun. It was, it was great fun. So we, and so we developed a rapport right off the top uh, for that. And, and I think Peter Deloise was directing mm -hmm. that one and uh, he thought it was pretty funny too. And I, I he be, since then we've become very good friends and uh, you know, he was, he was laughing and he, he made me run from, I don't know if the, if it's still in there, but he made me run from the bushes way over there and all the way to the camera. And he said, can you run that far? I said, yeah. And so I, I went and I ran and I got there and he said, that's good. Can you do it again? I said, yeah. That sounds like Peter. And he, he, made, he made me run that about four or five times. He went, you're in good shape. <laughs> he is in so many ways a sadistic director. But, you know, he makes sure that, every, makes sure that everyone has a good time. Oh, yeah. He's crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So going from that to Paradise Lost, the, one of the things that I always loved about, um, about Stargate was it's uh, – uh, almost mandate of of returning past players to establish that this was a cohesive world, 
uh, particularly of scientists, you know, right. where there were multiple teams, there were multiple jobs, they were they there was always something else to do. And pretty much everyone was like, uh, no, I'm going to go to the next planet, not I'm leaving this or I've been reassigned. You know, they right. had there was a lot of a, a lot of reason to have you guys return. And you got and you came back in Paradise Lost. An, another serious episode um, where you know, particularly Sam, Amanda Tapping's character, is dealing with with a crisis trying to figure out how she's going to get her leader back. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of subtext there about, you know, how long am I willing to, you know, put my team out for this? And you're the one who says, uh, we're done. You know, we're not going to do this anymore. And pushes back against her, who she, she, in, in this instance, one, is one of the few instances where she's teetering on irrational behavior. And right. you stand up to her and say, this is ridiculous. You know, he's gone. We, there's nothing else to do. We have no more information. That was a, a bigger chunk of performance, and it began pushing you into a recurring role. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I think that's right. I mean, what I always used to try to do, like the way I always thought about uh, Dr. Lee, was I, I would really, like, I wasn't a hero. There was a lot of heroes on that show. I wasn't a hero. I was just a guy. And I, I just... I just wanted to be like, no, man, we're out in the middle of no, no, yeah. let's, let's go home. Come on. <laughs> that's absolutely you know? true. And that's, I, I just tried to think if I was in the most normal person amidst all these heroes and I can, I tried to, and I tried to take that through all the, all of the shows too, you know, just, I'm just a guy, you know, but. Yeah, so that's that. That's interesting. It's interesting you point that out, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. the 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 character um, was given a little bit more every time you know we saw him, and I think that they. I think that that has to do with the fact that they 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 see something in in their actors and in their talent, and it's like, okay, let's start mining this just just a little bit more. In Evolution One and Two, uh, that was a powerhouse for you and Shanks. You know, right. you guys yeah, had yeah. half of the episode uh, in each one of those to explore this. I being captured by the by Honduran militants. <laughs> I mean, that as far as I'm concerned, that just shouts Stargate. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. Oh, it was it was so much fun, and Michael and I, yeah, we had a we had a great time. Um, but I mean, the, some of the stunt stuff was uh-huh. I mean. We had to like the one where we come up out of like the the, the yes. water crashing in, and we, so what they did was they dug a, a, a hole, and then they dropped this tank like um, it was like a dumpster, yeah, that was dropped down into the ground and it was full of water, but they uh, so then they so me and Shanks had to get in there, and then. Oh man. So <laughs> then they said, well, he has to come out first. And I said, okay. And then they and said, you're in there as well. Yeah. And then they said, but we, uh, we want to think you're dead. So you got to let the water settle before you come up. And so I'm underneath there holding my breath, right? And, and meanwhile, Shanks is acting his ass off up on top. And I'm sitting there going, 
And then finally, when I come out and I'm gasping for air, I'm really gasping for air. I mean, it was very funny. It was, it was a lot of fun to do, though. Was that and one then, take? Well, no, I, we, I think we did it a couple of times. Oh, gosh. But they, they needed the one where the water settled. They like they wanted. I think after that, I didn't have to. Then, you know, it could just got come it. Up. They got that one on film. Yeah. And then uh, and then. The, so then when we were supposed to be inside the cave and the water was supposed to wash us away. Same thing. They had a dumpster on a front end loader full of water. And we were in there kind of, you know, trying to do the Indiana Jones thing, whatever the right. hell we were doing. <laughs> And uh, and they just dumped this water, <laughs> and it just washed us right out. It was hilarious. It was it was very funny. Oh my god! And then getting uh, uh, caught by a a, a Honduran dissident uh, group, terrorist group for all intents and purposes, and having to th- that looked like hell. Having to yeah. exist in that in that small. Um, you know, outdoor you know stall and getting electrocuted right yes (laughs) it was it was pretty uh it was it was good it was it was a great set it was a great setup and a fun episode the guy who was the the head of the of the honduran i can't remember his name right now but he was really good i always like to give credit where it's due here yes please let me see that would have been He's done a lot of great stuff since. I've seen Victor Favrin as yeah. Chalo. And let me see oh. here. Was was the Frank Roman as Raphael. Frank yes. Roman. Frank. Frank. So <laughs> he was terrified of, <laughs> of the cockroaches. Uh, really? Oh yeah. So he was like <laughs> He wouldn't he wouldn't go in the shot with them. So we had to we had to kind of shoot around that. It was fun. <laughs> oh no! The things that you're asked to do as actors face a lot of your a lot of your fears. Some of them, like all of us, have irrational ones. Right. Exactly. That is exactly. too funny. You went in in Heroes Part One. We begin to see um, a little bit of a transformation into the humor, where. You have a demonstration of the technology that's going to be. They're, they're going to start inserting into the suits to protect this, the the um, the vests to protect the SGT members from staff blasts. Right. And it's one of the it's one of the practical situations on set where Dan Shea, you know, yeah. got got to behave as he truly is as a stuntman, getting <laughs> a staff blast shot. At this yeah. point, I'm starting to notice the transformation. Of of the character to more uh, to one not that just of a of an expository scientist in in odd situations like like torture and international you know right. situations but more of a um, just more of a humorous lighthearted role. What's happening here at this point, Bill? What do you what do you think is is causing this? Well, the um, I I think I know. I mean, they they leave the camera running after the scene is done. And so I would just always say something. I would always have some kind of end to the scene. Like I'd let the scene end and then I would say something else. And I, but I know they're watching it and the writers are watching it and starting to enjoy my, my sense of humor uh, about stuff. 
and uh, so then they they started. And I know I talked to um, to Brad and uh, and and they were he was talking about it, you know, a bit and and about how they were looking for those opportunities and they were going to kind of go in this way. So it it became kind of a thing where they would, you know, once. And I've, I've had this on other shows too. The writers start to hear your voice and they start to hear who you are. And then they start to bring the character to that because they want, they want the personality, they want the quirkiness um, that you have. And so, but, and, and they're really good at, at hearing things and finding rhythms and, and opportunities and stuff. And so I think, I think it was part of that. I think it was mostly these kind of ad libs after the scene that opened that door for them and then they started to do it but uh yeah dan shea is great i saw i see him every once in a while riding his bike around we're, we're both, we're, <laughs> same neighborhood well not really but we oh. both go on a long bike ride oh so good good for you <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's I, i've heard so often the writers say you know if if the actor is giving us something promising you know we're crazy to not at least you know explore it Joseph Malazzi was really big on that. You know, you'd go down and say, "Hey, what's what's this?" And the actor would say, "Oh, I, I do this on the side or whatever." And the next the next day, the actor would find out that it was in the pages. You know, right. uh, Sharon Taylor as Amelia Banks said that exactly with Joe. You know, she expressed you know her her black belt background, and then all of a sudden she was kicking ass with Jason Momoa in an episode. So, yeah. do you have a comedy background? It sounds like you've done stand up or some kind of. Oh no, I've never done stand up. Okay. But I, I've, been, I've been in a comedic shows, you know. Uh, but I rode my motorcycle to the studio one day, and uh, I remember Cooper coming out and going, "Oh, that's interesting. How'd you like to be in a motorcycle chase?" I went, "Yeah," but it never came to pass. <laughs> but, I, but you know, I mean, that's just another instance of that. But. Wow. Yeah, I love my bike too. You got to get some two wheeled therapy, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it turns into um, a character that goes for three television series after those those uh, early shots at trying some more humor and 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 uh, you know more opportunities to to come on screen. The, the, some of the some of the best scenes uh, that I remember from. The franchiser with you, particularly, uh, I'm a World of Warcraft player. Oh yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I, I need to pull up and and give proper credit here because the fans have definitely been wanting to know. Um, we all enjoyed your World of Warcraft moments. Emma Bentley says, "But have you played the game?" Actually, I must confess, I haven't. <laughs> I don't... But I remember that scene so well. Like Tori's fantastic, and and you know there was just I, my heart was all a flutter, and <laughs> I was trying to impress her. That's it. It was good, but I I would love to know more about it. But I had never played World of Warcraft. No, it's it's so interesting because uh, Martin Garrow was trying to do something humorous there, and I have to tell you, a, a mage is not a race. It's <laughs> it's a um, it's a class. And they're two different things. You have races, you have classes, um, and they go they go hand in hand. But I wish he had paid a little bit more attention to that, though, because we all look at that and we go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great well, scene. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was a fun scene to do, for sure. The And then 
uh, a few episodes because I'm a I'm a continuity geek. A few episodes right. uh, uh, later, there's a reference to you having kids. So oh. where you were talking about the Twilight Bark, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I'm like, I guess he's divorced. That's the only explanation, or he never I, married her, or something, or whatever. Right. For, That's what I figured too, because like you get these surprises. You go, oh, kids, okay, right, sure. exactly. Now, how do I work that in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, the name came the same way. That it was like. Uh, RDA one day he said, what's your name? I said, Bill, what do you mean? He said, okay, Bill, you're Bill. Right. And okay. Michael Shanks uses that in evolution too, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. I always wondered if that's one of the else I was going to ask you. I wondered, always wondered if that was an ad lib or if that was, so and I guess that just, was Rick's influence. I think so. And I think um, that's, that's the way I remember it. But I think there was a, there was another thing. Oh, I remember the Seymour thing, right? People mm-hmm. thought people thought Seymour was my name, but he was referring to the plant. The Little Shop of Horrors reference. Yeah, for yeah, a while yeah. there, everyone thought it was Seymour. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, now Will Rab is asking, what is what level is your mage now? I just had to ask. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a stumper. <laughs> you, you answer for me, David. <laughs> oh, he's got to be at least a 90 or 95. I, no, actually, probably you've got several maxed out 100s. So, oh, yeah. I, I haven't played the game in a while, but I need to get back to it. Um, let me see here. It, uh, Jack asked, uh, uh, do you recall any discussions with the writers or directors regarding specifically dialing up the humor, giving you more opportunities to do there, just, or just finding the script was delivered and, and it was there on the page and you just got to make a meal out of it? Well, the, yeah, that that uh, it's interesting. The, the plant, this, that Seymour episode that we were talking yes. about, I can't remember the, name, the name of it, Zero Hour, plant, which is it? Oh, yeah, Zero Hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we and and Rick and I, we had those those weird goggles on for a while, you know, <laughs> and it just like it was hilarious because they gave us these goggles, the props guys, and they said, "I don't think you probably want to wear these, but you should have them." And I went. No way. Are you kidding? I'm wearing those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then Rick put them on too. And so we were both doing that. It was very <laughs> fun. But the uh, the director of that episode, I started going a little bit off script in that episode. And uh, he said, well, that's not your line. Your line is whatever it is. And Rick kind of said, oh, that's okay. Bill gets to say whatever he wants. And I went, Okay, I didn't know that, but sure. Producer, so you got a producer on set in form in the form of an actor, but yeah. that's that says you're trusted to um, waste a little bit of tape, knowing that yeah. chances are it's going to be good. Yeah, and they and they, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep it within the parameters, and I'm sensitive to like I'm not I'm not going to blow up the show or anything like that, you know. And and the serious parts you take seriously, and the and the parts where there's a little bit more latitude, you you can have it, you know. And uh, yeah, it's just a sensitivity there, I think. As long as you are staying true to the documents, and particularly to the spirit of of what the um, uh, the folks who wrote it are getting across, as long as you hit those notes and drive those points home, you know, why not? Why not try to give them something else? Yeah, no, absolutely, and I th- I think that's it. 
And I, it, I think it was Joe who I was talking to one time. And uh, he used to he used to write for like really like big, serious uh, mainstream drama like uh, NYPD Blue and stuff like that. And I said, How, why, why are you here? And he said, uh, those shows become soaps. He said, science fiction is actually where you can address the big questions, where you can talk about good and evil and you can talk about morality and stuff like that. And I just went, you know, that's absolutely right. And I, I love that. And I, yeah. There are modern cultural issues that you can tackle from episode to episode. And, um, People who are just watching it for the entertainment value will get that, but people who are watching it, you know, to have their to, their brains turned on as opposed to off, will see some subtext there as well if they're looking for it. You Absolutely, know? that's the Absolutely. thing about sci-fi. Like I've said this before, you know, you can you can you can paint a, a guy black on one side and white on the other, and the other guy the opposite, and you can have a discussion about race in the late '60s when you know. You can't go near this stuff on television, but because of the way, the, how it's accessed, it allows us to go, okay, let's think about that, you know? And that's what Stargate did as well in many episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's great that, yeah, absolutely, bringing those social questions in is, because it's it's just at a little bit of distance, right? Yes. So you can, you can talk about it and nobody gets upset, really. Yes, which it's, is great. it's safer and you can, you can approach... Um, those problems more uh, uh, accessibly. Yeah, so. absolutely. William Aarons wanted to know, did Bill's Charles Burke's X-Files character uh, inform his betrayal of Dr. Lee? And <laughs> were you ever mistaken for Tom Braidwood, who played Melvin Frohike on the X-Files <laughs> in the Lone Gunman spinoff series? I'm not familiar with X-Files that much. Right. Well, they... Yeah, I was kind of, a little bit. Um, I, the Lone Gunmen were, were kind of an advisory group to uh, David Duchovny's character. And, but then I became his old college buddy. And so I, I kind of had traveled the same territory, but not on the conspiracy side, more on the actual hard science side. Um, I, I suppose the, the kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I guess what I would say that the the bemused man of science and slightly befuddled in the in the ways of the world that that was similar possibly between Chuck Burke and uh, Dr. Lee, but the world is a, a confusing place. But science, I got it. <laughs> uh, Emily Cheatham, my question for Bill: Did what did you enjoy most about working uh, on this show and with this cast? And what do you feel you have most in common with Dr. Lee? Uh, I, I loved the people. I mean, just, you know, the, through the cast, everything. It was such a great place to go to work. It really was. And, you know, for, for those guys that were in every episode and to, to have as little friction as there was, and there was a real collegial sense to it. And everybody still had fun, you know? And that, I think that was part of what I brought too, is that every once in a while they could, I could come in and kind of shake things up and then they didn't have to talk to each other anymore. They could talk to me for a while. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I'll never forget the, the episode. And I think it was somewhere in the midway station where, yes, where Jason and uh, Chris 
were, were there. Like these, these two monstrous people, you know, they're huge. And I just kind of looking up at them. <laughs> and then we all cram into that one little room and I just went, oh man, I just got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours, oh. gentlemen, you enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Jeez. It was very funny. That so just I mean I love the situations and uh, the things that it, that were possible. And then when I had him in the chair in that that simulator game, that was mm-hmm. that was terrifying because I didn't want anything to happen, and I knew it was like somehow I'd screwed up, you know. <laughs> and I was like, it was really hard on everybody. But but that's the thing. It's like that's that's what I'm saying about just bringing the humanity to it. It's like I had a great idea, we did it, and then it didn't work, and I'm just, uh, you know. There's so. b- because we can all relate to that, you know. Yeah. Oh, we, well, this we, this has got to go good, and then, oh, and now this guy may die <laughs> in this instance. Exactly, and that and that's that was the bridge that I thought I I created in the show. Like I think that was my my unique place that I I could bring the viewers in through just that humanity but you know still i through whatever credentials or whatever i happened to be in this situation and i did have good ideas but sometimes they didn't work and then it was just a nightmare because i had such respect for all those people and you know the the world saving stuff they were doing you know but which of that core cast would you um really look forward to uh working with the most Melissa Smith wanted to know. Um, well, all of them really, I mean, Amanda, Amanda and I had a bunch of fun stuff and, uh, I really, I really liked that. That was great. And you know, those episodes with Shanks when, when we were out, that was, that was a great, Mm -hmm. and we became very close and we were, we were on another show. Um, which I can't remember right now, but but we ended up having a fight scene and it was it was fun. But on this because we got into it, you know, right? Um, but and and Rick, of course, always that was he was a guy who would play like, and he was he was looking for some way to break out of just being the straight ahead kind of guy. And so when when I when I came up with that opportunity for him, he just loved it. He would just jump right in with both feet. So. With a magnifying glass, if he could get away with it. Him and those magnifying glasses. He knew what he was doing. Man, was that funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of fans in here. Uh, Redux. Let me see. I did not organize this well. I apologize. That's okay. Um, And several other actors, several other actors uh, are asking, would you be game for a, the, um, then uh antonio latera would you be game for the fourth stargate series that um brad wright is trying to get off the ground oh totally if there's a place for me i would love to be in it. i mean uh, absolutely absolutely where do you think the show can go next where, where do you think it hasn't gone before i don't know i mean that's a, that's a great question um huh where would i send it i would It'll be, you know what? So some, somehow, when we're talking about the big questions and stuff, and the possibility of of looking at things through the sci-fi lens, it feels like we're in this this climate crisis, right? Mm. And if if there was some, and I I'm not clever enough to know how it would work, but if there was some way that you could 
talk about that and about how we need to change our, our behavior and become more in tune with uh, the planet and its systems. That's, I'd love that. You know, I, I think we need a show about that somewhere. Okay. At least leverage that as a, as a plot point. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the Stargate program should be disclosed if it were up to you and this thing were this, this, this thing, we're going to go into a, uh, a fourth series. Do you think that that would be advantageous or do you, would you want to keep it a secret? Well, that'd be an interesting thing that, it, I mean, if it got discovered, that's a great fulcrum for all sorts of conflict and nefarious uh, others trying to get in or, or infiltrators mm. or stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, that's a cool thing too. Like the kind of pseudo cold war kind of spy world that 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 creates if if there's somebody gets inside that shouldn't be or whatever you know so that'd be another way to go that'd be kind of cool depending on how dark you want to go yeah exactly that's the thing the uh uh with universe it went it went pretty dark especially you know um set wise it was pretty it was it was one of the darker oh, yeah. <laughs> the darker sets that there was what was it like going from SG one to Atlantis to Universe through that through that generation of 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 change to actually inhabiting someone else's? I think you were inside of Eli, if I'm not mistaken. You had the "You Are Here" <laughs> shirt. <laughs> That's right. What was that like? What was that like being with, with that uh, that cast of players? Well, it was fun. I was I was kind of hoping it would there would be more opportunities, mm. but. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I would have loved to have done that, you know, to to kind of have that those echoes of the other person and and try and work with that. I was I was looking forward to that, and I was hoping there'd be more. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I think going from uh, SG One to Atlantis, mm-hmm. uh, there was just like a subtle difference, you know, and just a, just because of the different personalities, different storylines. Um, and and it was it was refreshing. It was it was fresh. It was new, and just to to kind of put, plop myself into that. And again, it was it was using the the truth of the situation because right. I didn't know anybody, right? And I was like I was a new guy in the thing, in right. the same way that I was. And that's that's great. It's like oh cool, okay, what are we doing? You know, so that that's cool. That's that's always fun. That, it, that you can carry, you know who you are, but you don't know what else is going on somewhere else. That's I, I, one of the frustrating things about Universe, as far as I'm concerned, is that it had so much promise. They were they were laying down track in front of the train for a, uh, at least a four or five season game plan. And I'm really hopeful that um, if and when Brad is is allowed to move forward with with SG four, that we're going to see something that's uh, that gives um, some of those uh, some proper answers to a lot of what came before, so that we can go back and watch seasons one and two and go, ah, okay, I, I see now. You know, well, this... I think that I I think you've I think you've struck on something there because I think in our our current TV climate where where we're streaming stuff and we're we're binging on episodes and we see them all at once, correct. I think the narrative structure of that one would would have worked better now because I think people who who didn't watch it every day or missed a week or something I think you could lose a thread and then feel like you weren't connected whereas now we we have the long form TV drama because everything's you know everything's on a streaming service somewhere mm-hmm. and 
so you watch episode after episode and if you miss it you can pick it up when you want it to and i i think i think that because i think what the ambition was was really cool but i just I think it was maybe a little bit ahead or just not quite situated right, you know. It was so, way ahead of its time. The pace yeah. the pacing of it is to this day one of the things that that uh fans of the other shows uh critique the most because it it was unpacking, it was taking its time unpacking. And right. now the, then the other fans like me will ju- then jump in and say but every show does that now. <laughs> and that's, that's acceptable. Right. So we're universe right. to come on now. It would be a big hit. <laughs> I think. I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true because you know when when SG One was, it was like you had a one hour thing, and there had to be right. an adventure, and you could have an arc go maybe two or three episodes. There were, yeah, but you really had to you had to have something happen in that hour, right? And it, it had to complete. And I think I, I agree completely. And I, I think that's that's absolutely true. It would be. It would if it if it had come around now, it'd be a great uh, great success. Bill, what can uh, uh, we expect to see you? What are you what are you working on right now? Anything anything going on that uh, you want us to be on the lookout for? Um, well, I did a I did a really interesting independent. Uh, it's a it's a it's like a it's probably going to be packaged as a web series. Okay, but it was it's a it's you know 90 minutes so it's it's kind of indie feature length um and it happened last summer in the pandemic uh and right it was inspired by the 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 killing of george floyd okay and um this friend of mine here ben ratner wrote this show because it was his experience he was an acting teacher and he was like the pandemic had forced all acting classes onto zoom gosh yes and so he here he was and he was like an acting teacher and he had these six people in his acting class and one black woman and when that happened the the his his inability to cope with the situation uh just forced him to write this show and it's the show's called trigger me and uh i just i just saw it that it i don't think it's been released yet and i don't know where or how it's going to be released but i was i was playing the acting teacher and there was some great but it but it was like this it was like you and me mm-hmm. right now how we shot it and so it was it was a really interesting experiment but that'd be cool i mean uh, when it comes out if when it comes out That'd be a cool thing. And then uh, other than that, you know, Hallmark is my friend these days. <laughs> it's So every once, every once in a while I turn up there. Yeah, you know, it's August, September, the, the, the Christmas movies, they start coming <laughs> through. It's, it's like dozens and dozens of them, you know? So yeah. that's yeah. A, a st- a steady, gainful employment, you know? Got it. Yeah. I, I completely – and there's some of, those, some of them are gems, absolutely. Yeah. But so much of it is, as far as I'm con- as far as I'm concerned, it's like, okay, guys, we've done this right. one. <laughs> so, yeah. Other than that, I, you know, I got, uh, I, I don't know. I was looking for new and different adventures a few years ago, and I went back to school and I did my PhD. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I did an interdisciplinary PhD in theater and classical mythology. So I, I studied oh. ancient Greek and Roman myths, and. Uh, so I've been working on that, but that's that's not going to show up on your TV anywhere. But 
Yeah. You know. Well, you know what? Uh, we'll keep our ear to the ground, and you've got my email. Okay, you want I us do. to look out for anything specific, you let us know, and we'll do that. This is what we okay, do. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely. I really appreciate um, uh, you coming on, Bill. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, you you are one I've enjoyed watching, you know, for years on this program. And, you know, if there is going to be uh, an SG4 that uh, – that Brad gets to produce. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we see Dr. Lee again. I just have a feeling. <laughs> well, I, I, I would honestly love it, David. And, it, you know, I, I got to say, it's been a, a great pleasure talking to you. And thank you for this. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks to everybody sending in questions and stuff. And I, I, I hope I see you all somewhere out in the universe there. Oh, yeah. Conventions aren't done. They'll yeah, come yeah. back. Sometime. Sometime. Yeah. My thanks once again to Bill Dow for joining us in this episode of Dial the Gates. Uh, what's going to happen next? So we are going to be going on a bit of a summer hiatus. I am going to continue to produce content for the channel, so don't unsubscribe just yet. You're going to be seeing some uh, other projects that uh, we've been working on. I'm particularly excited about. Since this is a pre-recorded episode, a lot of this is still in the early stages. Um, but there's going to be more content coming. And the weekend of July the 23rd, San Diego Comic-Con will be publishing the uh, the first version of the Stargate Atlantis cast reunion, which is 45 minutes long. And then uh, a couple days later, probably the, the, the exact date is still tentative uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm not allowed to technically announce it yet, but I'm planning on the 25th, the Sunday, July 25th, to play the 90-minute uh, version for you as episode 100 right here at youtube.com slash dial the gate. My thanks to everyone who submitted questions. My thanks to my moderating team for all of these episodes, summer, Keith, Tracy, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony, you guys are rock stars to my production assistant, Jennifer Kirby and my producer, Linda Gategabber fury. Thanks so much for all that you guys have done. My name is David Reed for dial the gate. This has been episode 99. We'll see you in 100 in about a month or so, a little less, and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>